You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, David Hall. Afternoon. Greg Hectus. Isn't it the evening? And Tony Groves. Yep. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Well, welcome. Well, here we go. Another week. Uh, we're going to jump right into uh, news, but we have a new sponsor for our news uh, segments uh, this week. And so I want to uh, give a big shout out to schoolyard setups. And uh, if you're struggling to crawl into the top 10 in Road to Pro, always in the back of the Xfinity, or can't find that extra 10th to compete for wins in NIS, visit schoolyardsetups.com to get race-ready setups for A, B, or C each week. Enter referral code 207124. When you sign up to let them know you heard about it from the iRacers Lounge podcast. Don't get bullied around on the racetrack again. Get your sets at schoolyardsetups.com. So happy to have them on board to help us uh, keep this show going. And uh, uh, what a great association going forward. And with that, uh, we look forward to working with them. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So got to have setups. I tell you that. So uh, Brian, tell us about uh, this first one the almost pro 10k yeah guys uh if you remember we talked about this last week this is uh the almost pro ten thousand dollar results is that right 10k uh and uh it was um the mx cup cars at the charlotte Roval, and after all the uh, heats and everything else the checker flag was taken by Rasim feruzzi is what i'm gonna say i think that's right but yeah Rasim feruzzi he he won the uh the top prize in that uh, almost pro uh, MX Cup at the Richmond Rule. Now I watched part of this, and it was it was kind of interesting. Um, there was a, some carnage for sure, where some people, you know, got mixed up in some incidents and different things, especially in the chicane. But what was interesting is um, two team cars in identical paints out front, first, second. I don't know if it ended up being this guy or or it was other two people. But they were pushing each other, literally, like like push drafting, on the, especially on the straight. And they were building a gap over everybody else uh, because of that. Um, I don't think it lasted, but that's kind of how the race started. And I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, that's well, pretty cool. I wonder if they had that all planned out. I'm sure they probably tested that uh, that that um that pushing setup and uh, see if it worked. And apparently, it did. Maybe yeah. Well, any extra. You know, those cars are based on very little speed, right? So if anything you can get on the straightaways to increase a bit is going to have an advantage over the competitor, right? Yeah, it's a momentum car. And even in road, anytime you're cooperating instead of fighting each other and defending and not giving and taking having to take less optimal lines, uh, it's going to slow you down. If you just get in line, you're generally going to be faster until it's time to make the pass. Well, I was thinking at the time... If the guy in second who's doing the pushing, I wonder what kind of financial arrangement, you know, he came to with his teammate. You know, hey, I'll push you to the win, and uh, but you got to give me half. 
Well, maybe it, maybe it wasn't pushing to the wind. Maybe it was just push it till we get a gap so we can fight by ourselves and not worry mm-hmm. about anybody else. That and kind of you know how often in Indy you would drop out of the lead to save fuel, right? Um, and particularly in this car, if you don't end up taking tires, if you're the guy pushing, you have to take less fuel, and you probably end up passing in pits. Yeah, I think I got distracted, but I watched some of it, and it was uh, entertaining. So. So our next article has to do with eye racing color. Um, I don't know how you, if you guys have noticed this. I took a look at. I saw it when we posted this in the chat earlier. And this guy, he just he never felt like the colors were right. Maybe it's affecting a little bit of the realism, and found a way to affect a camera filter and get what he thinks are more realistic colors. I think uh, I was the one that found this one and posted it on our messenger. And I thought, just looking at the pictures, he's definitely got. Uh, an idea of what it should look like it does look a lot better and there's less yellow yellow tinge to the color um to to have uh um it show like it it, like there's more detail it seems to come out with it without being yellow and if if it's closer to real life it may just take away it may make it just a little bit more immersive i haven't tried it but it seems like a a good something worth trying i think there's always I've always heard or thought of or maybe have seen myself a, a a soft yellow tint to everything in iRacing. It's just a little bit yellower than it should be. And so that's what this guy is basically saying. And, and he said, hey, you can go into your NVIDIA settings and change the brightness, contrast, exposure, gamma, and everything else to these numbers, and it will make it more of a blue. Uh, some of the people in the forum post were saying it was too blue, though. Well, it may end up coming down to your monitors as well. May or even even the room you're in can affect how you see the monitor. Uh, and read read a little further down in the post, um, they said that uh, it didn't really make a big effect in VR too. So um, maybe it's just for monitors that this thing uh, works. Well, color tint color tinting can can it be affected the same way? Uh, you know how you can get nose blind to something, right? You kind of get eye blind to certain things too. Like if you're if you've gotten used to it a certain way, and then you make a you make a switch, uh, you may see it at first, but then just you're you almost immediately adjust to it, and you you start seeing it as normal. And it, particularly in VR, that's all you're seeing, so you're not comparing it to anything around you. One of the posters, uh, Julius Fafala uh, Bush um, from Frankfurt. Uh, he said the iRacing white balance is a bit off. In theory, TV cameras have a proper white balance. Although I agree that this example is quite extreme, it doesn't change that iRacing's white balance is off. Well, and any of these things can be edited to look a certain way, right? Like it's it's the same as photography, right? This this thing is something that has so many different ways that you can look at it. Um, and like David said, like someone's older monitor to a brand new monitor it's going to look totally different no matter what settings you put in it's it's something worth trying but it it's one of those things that's you know do what you like if you you switch it and you like it cool deal it's good that you can switch it so yeah he says how to do it he says hit alt z and that will fire up your nvidia settings i had did not know that i tried it and sure enough uh you'll get some settings that you can change but 
I drilled into where he told me to drill in and I didn't have the options that he did. So I don't know if I have different drivers than he did, but I wasn't able to, to, to try it myself. But uh, it is an interesting idea. It's pretty cool because some of the people who commented on the forum posts was like a guy like uh, Tyler Stukesbury, and he's like a professional director of of uh, photography, and uh, and a colorist for high end productions. So he he chimed in on this, and uh, he had he had some really good you know professional input uh, to what the the, the uh, link was talking about. It was really interested reading. Yeah, and he and then he uh, shared his settings, uh, or is that the other guy? Um, that was the other guy. Um, I think. It- yeah, I think the uh, the photography guy. He was saying that he was the one who said it would look a little too blue. I'm paraphrasing um, uh, what the guy, the other guy, had changed it to. But um, I see what he's talking about when they say the yellow tint. I under, I've heard of that and I've seen that before. Now, a photography guy is going to be more attuned to something like that anyway, because that's kind of their job. So my the next topic we've kind of got here is. One of my favorite people to to, to just to, to see about iRacing information and, and what's going on in his life, uh, Bob, uh, Bernard Pollard Jr. on Twitter posted uh, what day was this? on the 18th of September that he's just learned uh, that it, to to drive with two feet in iRacing and it, I thought it was kind of an, very interesting to know that I wonder how if you took a poll how many people actually one or you drive with one foot in the sim compared to well obviously two feet will be the most but how many people still actually drive with one feet like they drive their car that's a good point um and you know if you've been driving for a car for years before you actually get into iRacing it's probably something you're not real comfortable with you know or maybe you never get comfortable with it but i remember a long time ago when i first got the sim racing when i was doing nascar racing i was looking up some um some articles about how to get better at it and like the first thing they say is drive with two feet real race car drivers do it you should too i remember that from from years ago well like even in my real in real life i drive a truck for a living and it's at 18 speed but the only time you use your second foot is when you you're moving away from like a stop sign or a stoplight there's no after that, it's you're you're driving with one foot for the rest of the day, even when you're shifting. It's interesting video uh, that he put up because uh, he talks about the you know how hard it is to transition to that, and it, it really brought me back to my rookie days when I had to learn how to two foot uh, drive, and I think everybody goes through that. But you know, I was using that just today in at Vegas on the restarts. I'm holding the brake and hitting the gas at the same time, so I get the revs up before the start. So I definitely two foot break, and I think you have to to be competitive. And uh, Bedard has learned that. Well, you you just saying there, Mike, about the one foot on the brake and revving it up to get going. He posted. I don't know if you saw his post. I think it was from today that he was trying to find seek out how to do pre- better restarts because he was losing time on restarts and uh, like he's reaching out to the community and trying to be like he is really involved in this and re- is really asking everybody for their opinion on it and. A lot of there was probably about fifty or sixty different posts on helping him out, trying to figure out uh, what to do on the restarts to help him get going better. And he uh, even then um, he was responding to most of the people's tweets, thanking them for their suggestions. Oh yeah, if you're into Twitter and you want to talk about iRacing, you need to follow Bernard Pollard because uh, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of iRacers are giving him you know real advice for sure. And apparently, uh, he he did post earlier too about the uh, California race uh, that we talked about 
um, the 87 cars. And he said, I hate that 87 car. <laughs> that's, that's funny he said that. Apparently, it was pretty hard for him to drive. Yeah, that's probably not the car you want to drive when you're first getting into iRacing. Hey, hey, Tony, I think uh, someone's taking a shot at Mike on Twitter, but for the whole lounge. Nah, no one's taking a shot at Mike, but they are offering up some advice, maybe. Uh, Jason Bossy let us know that, Mike, there is a button to view the results in the UI. <laughs> I know you've been really, really wanting to, to hate on this, but you've been uh, gracious enough to, you know, give it some, you know, honest goes. And you've been running into snags. And hopefully this one will clear this up. Um, that's, uh, I believe that was just in this last patch that was released. Um, we can view the, uh, the results. Now I haven't tested this out, so hopefully it's, it's nice and easy. I know, Mike, you were having some issues uh, trying to, uh, working with the filters on how to filter, um, you know, certain races and stuff. And it is uh, really kind of weird how they, they set that. So hopefully they've, I don't know, for lack of better terms, get rid of some of this weirdness. It's just not intuitive, you know. You go. Well, we talked you... about it. We talked about it. What we talked about last week was not results. It was st- it was standings. Standings. Right. Standings is completely missing. And then y'all thought we were looking for results when y'all chatted about it over the over the weekend. But no, it's the standings that you simply can't get to. Yeah, is that still points. the case? Yeah, I think so. I can't find them. But uh, I looked in there. I think last night. You know, I was looking up posted races and. Like you said, I was trying to filter and it didn't work how I expected it to, you know, and uh, I used a lot of different software with my work and I used to be in software design and it's not intuitive how they have it laid out at all. So, um, yeah, they have some work to do, I think. Well, yeah, see with the filter, you you pick all your filters and then there's an option right at the top. And um, I can't remember what that option is, but it's set as like almost like a filter option. And if you don't select that at least this is how i figured it out to make it work um none of your other filters will work which um is kind of redundant because if you're going into the filters you're turning them on they might as well just work because you're turning them on for a reason um so i don't know (laughs) maybe a little overthought on that one yeah yeah i'm I'm in the beta i'm in the beta right now i'm looking at iRacing series open um and it's got four up or six options at the top but you can see the season results for races, but you, you still can't get to, to standings. Soon. Keep, hashtag soon. <laughs> I'll keep trying it once a week. I'll go in there and poke around. We'll see. Uh, next up is top 10 uh, video, the iRacing top 10 for August. And uh, boy, this one was, uh, I think the theme plate? was probably three, four wide kind of thing. Restrictor plate racing. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Very daytime heavy. It was, and there was a lot of close calls in those. Uh, there were some of them that where he like would drive through the wreck and you know clear the smoke, like drive through the smoke, you can make it. Yeah, which I love those kind of uh, videos. Now, one thing I noticed, uh, Drew Adamson posted in the forums after he put up this video, is he said he's going to change the format going forward. It's not going to be a top ten. He's going to get rid of the top ten idea, and it's just going to be as many as he can fit in. Because apparently he has more than 10, and the hardest part is trying to narrow it down to only 10. 
So he's going to change the format. He's going to give us a bunch of quick clips, all at, you know, one after the other, like as many as he can fit in like a three or four minute video. I think it's a good idea because uh, you can get more in there and get more people exposed to what you know if they if they keep telling like people's names and things like that and twitch channels and things like all that then you can you know more exposure for people and what they've done in the in the sim too right exactly anybody see the homer simpson car Uh, i missed that one it's a porsche it kind of was a cool i think it was number six um and it just kind of caught my eye the paint job well i think uh Every every week where there's a lot of uh, uh, restrictor plate races like we just had, or every month anyway, where we had like uh, Daytona, you're going to get a lot of submissions because just those races always tend to be, you know, really close or big crashes. You know, every once in a while somebody manages to, to wiggle their way through it. So I think I think this these months with these restrictor plate races in the, in the schedule are, are going to be really heavy with uh, uh, top 10 type of uh, submissions. So I don't think... I don't think once they go, you know, once they have a those, the the submissions probably dwindle down a little bit. I would imagine. Well, sure. eventually, next month for September won't be as bad, but you'll have uh, um, October's highlights. Will have uh, um, Talladega, Talladega Roval, yeah. and all that in the same time, right? Yeah, definitely Check, Talladega uh, is going to be this month. Check number six, right at the end of six, at the two twenty-two mark. The trucks are at the finish line here are one, two, three, four, at least five wide. But the way that they're stacked and staggered in there, I mean, it's an entire pack going for the win. It's crazy. Well, and I, like I was saying, um, Brian, we're going from Talladega to the Roval after doing Las Vegas here this week. So there's a whole bunch of things that are going to be showing up in, in a lot of these races. Plus, uh, we got a special event coming uh this weekend for this v8 so there's going to be a lot of different highlights going around with uh some of the other, the other things i'm not sure petite lamaze coming up soon too and uh actually number one wasn't uh wasn't a restrictor place race at all it was the indy cars uh at indianapolis with a really close finish that was really really cool to see all right guys so uh apparently we got another hot fix that came uh recently um it's uh 2020 season four uh hot fix one and uh, we got the release notes for them a couple fun things on there um we talked about a little bit with the ui that was added for the uh for the results and uh in the cup cars it was interesting the gas man was not uh filling the tanks all the way to full he could be interrupted and fail to empty his fuel can yeah exactly so uh, what would what interrupts the gas in if you leave early i mean uh, I don't know what, how how he gets interrupted. I wasn't sure about. I that, wonder if another meant. car drives through your stall. Improper training runs into him. They need to do what they do with the AI, AI. They need to train them better. I'm still having all kinds of weird stuff happen in the pits. Well, is it, would it be interrupted if it's one gas can to two gas cans? Like he doesn't switch to the second gas can. Uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, that could happen. Well, it says fail to empty his fuel can, indicating he's already using it. Well, that's just oh, that's just lack of training. It just sounds like a lack of training. Maybe maybe he's disgruntled, didn't get his paycheck, was a little light. The you McLaren, might, yeah, they might. fixed a deal with the McLaren wheels uh, where you have to pick the wheels. There was some kind of thing if you loaded a setup with the other wheel, it let you start on the other wheel 
besides the one you qualified on. So I think they fixed that. Doesn't look like they've gotten around to fixing the land rush starts on the Crandon Raceway yet. Uh, that's not listed on here. Um, and uh, they did some uh, updates on the AI driving, uh, their oval driving training. So uh, in the Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000. But we, uh, if you remember, we saw that video last last week with uh, the AI cars all piling up on the on the pace lap. So it looks like maybe they uh, got a little bit of that fixed. Overkill. Overkill. Sounds sounds like a decent band name. Or maybe That'll a, never work. Or maybe a graphics card name. I don't know. Uh, what we're talking about is we got a Philip Morton on the forums explaining why you don't need the 3090 over the 3080. Essentially, it comes down to iRacing can only use up to eight gigabytes of video memory, and the only difference between the 3080 and the 3090 is the memory. My only question would be: Can that other gig of memory? still be taken advantage of by the rest of the computer system if that would be if that could affect any of the bottlenecking or not but uh so that would be a question for him but otherwise uh, go with the 3080 instead of the 3090 save a little money and if you got the money you might as well go to the 3090 and future proof yourself or maybe down the road for updates but it's not just a little money there's a big jump between the 3080 to the 3090 in price big jump what is it? Nine, it's like nine. It's like a thousand. Sixteen hundred, I think, for the thirty ninety. Yeah, and it's like a thousand for the nine thirty eighty, right? Or it's twenty five thousand dollars on eBay. Right. If, if it's like thirty igloos. If you're worried about future proofing with the thirty ninety, are you like talking like ten years down the road? Because <laughs> I think it would probably take that long for iRacing to utilize that much. Hey, uh, Tony. Some of us like to play on high settings. Well, I think you could probably do that with a 3080, but the thing, the 3080 is future proofing, guys. Really? Well, I'm just, didn't I'm we? Did anybody say that about money. the 2080? <laughs> I don't. I don't think the jump from the 1000, like the 1080, 1080i to the 2080s, was that big of a jump. Was that it? Um, that uh, it was, you know, future proofing anything. Third. But aren't the yeah. Titan the Titan ones still good enough even right now still? I I don't know. I think uh, I think calling anything in technology future proof is is being fairly unaware of the of the past. Well, yeah, point. I was gonna say does does iRacing even fully utilize a 1080? Like Max, what well, we know as CPU, uh, that that's what iRacing uses for the most part. Um, you know, you got a good CPU. I'm sure you can run everything max on a on a 1080. Well, it depends on your displays too, because um, uh, 1080 it's it's really pushing it on on some of the VR headsets for sure. Yeah, I saw an improvement when I jumped to the 2080 on on the uh, VR. But it's all the bottleneck through the the CPU though. That's the bottleneck, and it's because of the they use one core for. The, the game to process it, not multi-core. And so your CPU has to be super fast uh, to really take advantage of a good card like that. Because if, if you have a crappier CPU and you have some good card, it doesn't matter. Though they have done started to do some things to work around that. For example, the telemetry now runs on a different core. It's no longer, it's no longer running on the same core as the SIM itself. Right. So let's talk briefly. I, I know I, we probably have it in another part of the show, but we've been, I've been sharing screenshots with the group of some of the prices we've seen on these cards as high as 
$10,000. I mean, five digits. No. Which so. is nuts. Yeah, and um, a little later in the, sh- in the, in the script, we have a, a uh, video from, uh, from the guy who, uh, who does his tech stuff. And uh, he explains a little bit how those, those numbers get so inflated. And it's really not what you think it is. It's really not people buying it for that much. But um, I don't want to skip ahead too far. But I think some of that stuff is just manufactured rather than actual prices people are buying it for. Right. Good luck if you actually want one, though. Yes, that is true. And that's another story we'll get to because when they launched this thing, it was an absolute mess. Incoming update. David, you need to make that sound effect in the podcast here. But uh, Tyler Hudson uh, posted uh, the super late model is getting an update here. that's likely going to have a pro. It's going to any of the people that have been racing in the open series are going to have to change some of their setups because uh, the changes include aero, tire, and an overall physical physics update. So hopefully uh, everybody gets knows this and then uh, before they race and uh, fix their setups. Uh, but uh, this uh, was posted was it yesterday and to let us know on the update for it. So it's exciting. Uh, apparently this car is been needing some attention i've i've kind of seen that in the forums and it sounds like it's getting it and i thought it was uh i'm sorry mike uh, i thought it was kind of interesting that tyler said on the, his post that that um that this update barely missed the quarterly build you know that it, something like this would normally be in but they really wanted to get it out so uh they kind of released it as a patch on this but they really wanted to get it for that uh for that season four big big dump but uh didn't quite make the timeline i guess they probably had a, a hiccup last minute, and it just caused it not to uh, come out on time. But I'm glad that they still are putting out these updates, and not you know, probably about a year, or two, two year, a couple of years ago, they just would hold it for another four, you know, four, right. thirteen weeks, and then not put right. it in, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They they didn't want to hold it. Uh, they wanted to get it out there as soon as possible, and not wait till the next build, and you know, three months later. I still. Every time I go into these posts and see them, and and then you start scrolling, and it's like, what about this car? What about that car? What about, I hate the complaining about. Just enjoy what you get, okay? Like <laughs> they're out doing an update. He doesn't. They don't have to release it. Everybody's always on. What's the next? They're always asking more and more and more. Well, and then in 2020, they're not even able to scan anything, yet they've delivered tons of content this year. I mean, more than I think can be expected. Well, the year in review is going to be crazy. Yeah, I think I, I think some people are getting spoiled with how much content that they've been releasing. You know, they just keep wanting more and more and more. But um, I think uh, overall, though, I, I recently has been doing a great job just keeping stuff current and and bringing out new stuff that uh could be, keep people interested. Tony, have you ever uh, wondered how the uh, team racing works? Actually, no. I've never really wondered how that works. But for those that do want to know and want to try and figure it out on the uh, on the new UI, iRacing posted up a little uh, how-to video. Now, a little how-to video? I don't know. A seven-and-a-half-minute video is, uh, I guess, a little bit more than a little. But uh, just like all the other uh, how-to videos on the new UI, they got one for team racing. It's... Um, I, cu- I did a quick scan through. I wasn't going to sit there and watch seven minutes of something that I typically don't participate in. Um, 
but I mean, they, they do a good job. It's, it's pretty, uh, well explained and, um, the editing on it, uh, is, uh, certainly visually appealing, but, uh, they, maybe they just need one of those to, uh, figure out how to get your results. Well, David, David and I are going to have to use that this weekend. Aren't we, David? Uh, yep. I guess we'll jump on. Well, we'll talk more about that later. Maybe final thoughts or something. But this uh, video, yeah, like you said, it's, it's linear. Like, it, this, this is where you start. This is what you click. And, you know, it kind of walks you through it visually. And you can see the mouse and you can see where to click in the new UI. Why do they need a video like this? Because the, the way the UI is designed, I think, it's almost necessary that you're going to have to have this video up alongside at least the first time you go through this to kind of make sure you're doing it the right way or if you're if you get lost and you know what to do next and that kind of thing mike i i want to go at this another way with the way you're thinking about the reason they're making this video is they've been sorely missed and needed uh because i don't know how many people are sick and tired of seeing in the forums page the questions of you know, I'm new to iRacing. How do I do this? How do I do that? Well, if you got these videos out there, it kind of could solve some of the stuff or people could link the the actual, instead of typing it out, they link this video and say, okay, here's how to solve it. Right. I think this is what is, they've been really needing, you know, we're what, 11 or 12 years into the sim. This is kind of like a, a, a long time to wait for it. But I think right now, whoever's doing the production value for this, they're doing really good. So that's why it's a lot nicer to have it nowadays. You know, it's better late than never, I guess. Yep. So next up, uh, we got a, a tweet today from Sim Seats, and uh, Elliot Sadler scores himself two custom turn turnkey setups from Sim Seats. And there's a picture uh, they posted up of Elliot Sadler, and uh, I think it's Garrett Maines, his teammate, is in the other one. Um, but it's probably for uh, his son, um, Elliot's son, is what the other rig is for. But it's a nice-looking setup, and um, boy, uh, Elliot's styling now. Wondering if that's what he's getting it ready for for the, because uh, uh, now that they've completed the road to pro, you know, he's got a couple drivers that moved on, right? Right. Well, I don't think that's what the rigs are for, uh, but. Uh, Elliot's been AF, away from iRacing for a few weeks for because uh, his team, his little league team, was actually doing really well uh, in in playoffs, and so he's he coaches that, and that's been taking a lot of the time. Yeah, it's been fun racing with him in NIS when I've had a chance to um, to kind of see how you stack up with a real NASCAR driver who. Uh, you know, obviously has done it for a career and knows what he's doing. And he drives pretty darn well. I mean, he's up there leading laps usually and uh, sometimes winning these things. And he's real personable. Uh, there are some drivers that won't even talk to you hardly when they're on there. Um, some, you know, Dale will say hi, but he mostly focuses on the races. Uh, AJ Allendinger won't say a word. And uh, Elliot will just have a conversation with you. It's real nice. Yeah, regular kind of guy, right? Yeah, that has been a, a real nice uh, touch this year in the NIS to be able to race with him. Okay, so now we'll go into podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, just a reminder that we are on Amazon Music now, and you can get the podcast there as well as any other place you can get a podcast. In fact, I do challenge you to try to find a place 
that host podcast that we're not on and let me know and we will get there. Don't forget to email us at iracerslounge at gmail.com. Uh, link, links for story ideas. Uh, we're happy to take any email, just a link. You don't have to explain anything. Don't forget we're in regular rotation over at the Performance Motorsports Network over there, a 24-hour motorsports streaming channel. And with that, Tony, let's talk fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Well, good old Bristol. Um, that one's always a lot of fun to try and play the fantasy. Um, I, I did okay this week. I, I, I certainly could have done a little bit. Um, I could have done a little bit better. I was kind of on the fence about a couple of picks and the picks I would. Some of them went my way. The other ones, not so much. But I guess I did good enough to be able to hang on to my lead. Um How'd you guys do this week? How'd, how'd you find things? I almost had it all. Kyle couldn't pull off the win. Yeah. Um, I, I had Kyle uh, for the win. And I also went with Toyota for the, um, for the manufacturer points. And that, that just didn't work out for me either. But uh, his second place uh, scored me some really good points. I had... Uh... I had Chase to win the first one or first stage, and then I put Kyle in the second one, and then Kyle to win it. And I was like, and then Harvick started getting good near the end of the way, so it made me nervous. I, the way Kyle ran at the beginning of that race, I thought nobody was going to touch Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was just it. I even thought, like you know, near the end, Kyle was was catching Harvick and was on top of him, passed him a little bit, and uh, Logano got in the way. Now, there's still a lot of laps left. Um, if Kyle's car was good enough, it, he should have been able to catch Harvick again. That obviously didn't happen. Um, and I, I specifically kept Harvick out of the, my lineup this week because I want to use him later on at uh, tracks that are <laughs> typically he's really, really good at. Phoenix. Yeah, well, this is it, right? Like, yeah, you want to keep him for Phoenix. Um I was actually pretty surprised at how fast and how good Harvick ran at Bristol. Um, I usually keep him right out of my lineup um, at Bristol at any time, but uh, after his showing this week, um, that's definitely going to make me think twice next year. Um, and, I, and I might just throw him in there to, to see what happens. Uh, got one more year with this package. So, um, you know, a lot of what we're seeing this year will kind of, hopefully pay dividends next year i guess well that'll depend with the uh if they bring back practice and qualifying and stuff like that but we'll just have to wait to see about that it'll be interesting to see this this next three stages you know i've been look these are like this is one of the more interesting rounds because las vegas is you know it's the the mile and a half uh you know, acts like a restrictor plate until the tires fall off and then, or acts like a super speedway until the tires fall off. And then you we go to Talladega, which is a complete wild card. And then you go to the Roble, which, you know, that's gotta be even a real, a real wild card too. Right. Cause you know, one corner you could have a guy leading and he could go all the way back to like 30th place. You mean like miss it at heartburn turn? Tums to tum, tum, tum. Well, 
you know, the way I've been playing like road courses and stuff is, you know, very similar to how I play the short tracks. I find a lot of the guys that are really good at short tracks, um, you know, show up at the, at the road courses. Um, the Roval, it's, I don't know. It's such a different story though. Um, that's going to be a fun one. Like Talladega, you know, that is just a roll of the dice, really. I mean, you know, you got your guys that Ryan um, Blaney. I don't know if you want to put any bets on Ryan Blaney this year. It's just he's, been he's, he's won la, three of the last four restrictor play races. Didn't he win at the Roval? And he won the Roval two years ago or a year ago. Yeah, oh, last but, year was Chase. The year before was Blaney. That's right. The way he's been running lately, um, you know, yes, he's done it in the past, but like uh, he has just been well a hot pile of garbage lately. I, I, I kind of pains me to say that because I really like the guy, and uh, you know, he's he's normally good for uh, points, but man, I am so gun shy to to bring him into the lineup. And Brad had a bad run too. Well, and you got to Brad's. Brad and Joey are still moved on, right? So you wonder if the 21 and the 12 will help at Talladega to try and get them through to the next round, right? Well, you know, like the 12 is definitely going to help them out for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, you still, you got to get to the end. And that's where it's at. You just got to, it's like poker. You know, there's, there's a bit of skill involved and a lot of luck. But uh, not a whole lot of shaking up with the uh, with the standings this week. Um, but I'll give a quick rundown of the top ten. Uh, TG One Racing, myself, hanging on to first, and my my lead is slowly, very slowly, getting chipped away. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see I, if if I can keep riding this out, I might be able to make it to the end. Well, we got Res Dog. He's he's nipping at my heels still, and he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, he's in second place. Smiling Ninja's in third. Uh, KBM is in fourth place just in time. He's down in fifth place. He needs a bit of a rally to uh, to get back to the top. He's got a few races to do it. Um, he's certainly well within range. You know, we're, we're only talking, you know, the, the difference is only just uh, 100, 200 points. And uh, that that really is, is nothing. I just... Um, they gotta have a good race. I have a bad race, and I'm I'm out of that top spot. But uh, GI JoJo's in sixth place. Carrie Seal seventh. Laird Racing is in eighth. Jedi McFly is uh, doing his best drowning impersonation. He's um, he's still in the top ten. He's in ninth. Uh, Team two hundred seven rounds out the top ten. It's uh, we're getting there. We're getting there, and we got we got Talladega coming up. In this. <laughs> I love watching it. I hate playing it, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's 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 great. So uh, don't forget to get your picks in. I mean, you you can't you can't nip at my heels. You can't take over the top spot if you uh, if you forget your picks. So get them in, and uh, well, we'll see what happens. All right, very good. Uh, with that, we're going to jump to hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Brian, tell us about this 3080 buying mess. Okay, guys. So uh, so we talked about the 38, 3080 being released. Uh, they had the, the uh, launch last week. And, well, it 
it almost sold out before it was even available from uh, the websites. And uh, so guys were using bots to buy sometimes up to 48 cards at one shot before before they were even available. So um, they basically uh, use this uh, bot system, and uh, they get these bounce alerts when uh, when the things get ready to come up. And uh, the it's a it's a it's a program that they have to pay for. I think it's seventy five dollars or something. And uh, they get these uh, these bots created that uh, let you buy buy these uh, cards before they even are are available for your average customer to buy so these were snatched up really quick um and you know obviously somebody buying 48 of them is planning on selling them for a profit so uh that's kind of how that rollout went it was uh i'm sure it made quite a few people upset and uh and really inflated the price through through other markets like ebay and such forth i may be just a little bit legally ignorant but this is basically illegal isn't it it's been happening forever the the bots thing is it's never going to go away they, they've just had this problem with playstations and xboxes when they just went live this week so if it can be done they're going to do it yeah but if you if you buy that many you can be sued for set reselling without a license you're like and so i'm, I'm i don't know i guess it's just hard to tra- trace because it's online but they're as far as I know, doing something along these lines, you can be arrested for, or, or at least a, at least uh, deal with a lawsuit with for for not being licensed to be a reseller. So one of the videos uh, in part of this package uh, is Jay's two cents, where he talked about this problem, and he, you know he was telling the the solution is the manufacturer, um, Nvidia, they need to make it harder for these. Uh, bots to be able to do business and he suggested a uh, voice verification system so like you place your order and then the system has to make a phone call to you and do a voice verify or whatever and then your order is confirmed that's a that's a good point couldn't they even do like one of those image um notifications like you know when you go to a website and you got to click on the street i'm not a robot yeah why why couldn't they do something simple like that? That that thing's all over the place. It's a good point. You know, just some simple stuff like that, you know, some simple programming or a callback system or something. Um, you know, because the the manufacturers just putting out a basic, you know, checkout system, you know, a web checkout system that these bots can obviously uh, manipulate. You wonder if if they uh kind of secretly don't want to say it but maybe they don't mind all this happening because it jacks up the demand for their product jacks up the price well sells them right that's the whole idea they sell out yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah they sell them either way but now they you know now they got this all this extra excitement and and panic going over these things and uh you know it's just just another way for them to increase maybe next time around or or something like that uh yeah uh, it's definitely i would think that's definitely a possibility so why is the price jacked up on ebay so these guys before they even had their cards shipped to them, just because they had a confirmation, they were turning around and trying to resell it on eBay before they even have the card. But then there were people that were mad about it, and so they're going and putting basically fake bids on these eBay things and jack them up to skyrocket. Well, that's one way to uh, to bat against it. If nobody buys them, then these people are stuck with it, right? Right. 
yeah, that's that's really the way to do it. It's just you know take a deep breath, realize it's not the end of the world if you don't get it on uh, launch day, and let these guys uh, sit on this product for a while. It'll eventually make its way down to where it's reasonable. They're gonna they're, they're not gonna be able to withstand that kind of if they've bought like say would you say forty eight or so you know yes yeah, some of them yeah they got they that's a lot of money especially if they got the more expensive cards. I don't Here, think they'll another. take a hit, though. They'll never take a hit. Wow, they will if it's on credit card and they're paying interest on it until they finally get rid of it. Well, yeah. But it was a good video by uh, Jay-Z two cent, Jay's Two Cents about the 3080 and, and all the challenges with trying to buy one. And he was saying that they sold out, so they have an email alert that alerts you if it goes on sale. And he said that they were sold out before the email got delivered before you know the email can actually get to your inbox they were it was already gone first time winner ashton crowder final time it had turned four to his first win in the enas car peak and, and the monster mile in 2020 is tamed by nitron garillo gonna look to the bottom it is not gonna be enough and ryan loza is gonna go back to back he steals the win at thunder valley welcome the voice of iRacing, evan pasoko well, with that, we're going to jump to Evan Pasoko. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, and, and thank you guys for, for waiting on me. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, no problem. We're happy to have you. Uh, let's talk uh, Coke Racing. We're going to shift gears to Coke Racing. Uh, let's talk pre-race. We had a couple sponsor announcements. Uh, the first was uh, Logan Clampett running Beans, uh, Lucky Beans, and, uh, talk, and it got me thinking of the more you toot, you know, uh, that little song, "The More You Toot, The Better You Feel." <laughs> they're, they're, I think they're calling it the uh, the Bean Machine now, uh, which is fun. And uh, you know, we've I think had an opportunity to talk kind of through the year about all the different uh, you know sponsors and, and you know people involved in the series. And uh, I know that that Parker at the top of Burke, or Burton Clickerman Esports is uh, certainly on it. So it's cool to see another sponsor investing uh, in eNASCAR. That's only good news. Yeah, and another one, the Asus official gaming hardware of the NASCAR, eNASCAR Coca-Cola series. Uh, that's a new announcement as well. Yeah, they've been a partner for a couple of weeks, but they have been um, an official partner. So not the, they've been an official hardware partner. And uh, now they are the official. And I know that you guys were talking about the uh, the graphics cards a little bit earlier. Now I need to see if I can find a phone number for somebody at Asus and try to get uh, help buy the 3080 since it's impossible uh to find them anywhere else but yeah it's super cool to have a technology partner like that involved okay very good let's jump to the race right off the bat uh your coverage was a little bit different we had steve latart and parker kligerman uh joining you for the coverage and uh i really enjoyed that Be mainly steve latart i mean he brings a legitis a legitimacy to the broadcast where uh, to me it just feels more like a NASCAR race. I don't know why, just because maybe I'm comfortable with him and I've heard him, you know, call so many races, but uh, it worked out really well. Yeah, Steve is is so good because obviously when I did the stuff on NBC last year, uh, it was he and and Parker involved in in the broadcast, and and we had some other guys. Uh, AJ was involved as well, uh, but but Steve is you know he watches this series. Obviously, he's got Latardi Sports, but 
you know, him and Parker both aren't guys who, you know, they have a team and they, you know, send out a tweet the day of the race, wishing their drivers good luck. And that's it. I mean, both these guys watch every single week. So I remember when we were in Charlotte earlier this year, Steve's walking in the hallway, he goes, Hey, Evan, how's it going? And we immediately talk about the series, like specifics, you know, this race, blah, 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 blah. So obviously the plan would have been for it to be us three on the NBCSN stuff. But it's super cool that even though we got moved back to online for these final six races, that we still get to use those guys. Cause I totally agree with you. Uh, I could listen to Steve talk, you know, for hours and hours. So uh, to have those drivers bring that experience of, of strategy and, and real life. And of course their knowledge of the series, I think makes our broadcasts incredible. Um, they're both going to be with us uh, through the rest of the year. I know Parker is busy, uh, next week. So we won't have him at Talladega. He's filming, uh, some stuff for TV, but, uh, we will have Steve and then Parker will be back and it's super pumped to have those guys for the final five weeks. Cause that's pretty damn cool. Who's going to talk about his sponsors if he's gone. Exactly. And I promised him that we were going to get the bean machine counter up. So I don't know who's going to get the sponsor plugs in. We'll have to, uh, maybe get Burton on the broadcast to talk about them. Okay, and then uh, going into the race, Keegan Leahy, Bobby Zielinski were locked in to the playoffs. Uh, up front, Ryan Luzo found his way to the top, and he's got control over everyone. Uh, <clears throat> favorite second-place finisher in 2020, Garrett Lowe. Uh, Mike Conti down to third after starting on the pole. It was pack racing at Vegas, uh, clean and green uh, up front. Mike Conti takes the lead from Ryan Luzo after about 30 or so laps. Yeah, and I, I've always loved Vegas. Um, and again, I'll always say it's probably because I'm biased because it's the hometown track. Um, but it's one of my favorite intermediates. And I mean, with this package, the drivers have mentioned it and we saw it. I mean, it's full on pack stuff, you know, besides maybe three, four laps here and three, four laps there. Nobody ever really kind of checked out. But we did see, you know, those guys up front. You talk about Luza leading. It was great to see him back up front after he's had a couple of struggles recently. Uh, you know, Michael Conti. It was starting to look like, okay, we got three, four names that are going to have a real good opportunity to fight for the win. As we would see with some of the yellows later, it kind of shuffled things up. But for how tight they were, it seemed calm enough, at least in that first, you know, quarter of the race or whatever it was. Yeah, and then Steve Latart hitting on all cylinders as these guys do green flag stops, and everyone's on different pit strategies. We have guys doing short stops. We have guys that are stopping at a more reasonable time. And then we have guys like Michael Gariglia trying to stretch it to halfway. He didn't make it. I think he was about five laps short. Yeah, he tried his very best. And and I just want to mention, you know, you talk about Steve um, in the pit stops, a conversation that we had pre-race. Let me pull up the text um, so I can cite this properly. We were talking stats because I always say I'm a stat nerd. And uh, Steve was making me jealous because he texted me a picture of, you know, the stats that they get for the Cup Series races. Um, and, you know, the amount of info they have is incredible from pit stop time, pit lane time, leaders, uh, lead changes, plus minus from the restart, plus minus from the start of the race, lap leaders. They have all this info live. And uh, once he showed it to me, and we obviously showed him the timing that iRacing has, not to just rant about something that doesn't matter, but I just thought it was cool how much stats they get for NBC. And uh, I think they're going to try to convince iRacing to get some of the, more of that kind of data stuff available to people who use like JRT and ATVO and other stuff for timing. Um, so he, Steve's like me, stat nerds. We love that. And, and pitch strategy was big tonight. It, it basically decided this one later on. 
Ooh, that sounds awesome. I'd love to have those kind of stats. Uh, let's keep moving. There was a caution, finally, at lap 70 with Graham Bolin. Just a bit of contact with the 88. Now, he may have spun himself out just trying to stay off of him. I think he maybe was tight pushing up. Yeah, I mean, when you're in traffic like this, you know, uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of dirty air. The car is going to get tight. Um, and, and that sucks uh, for Graham, of course, because, you know, he had been running real well. And, and that's imperative for him uh, as we get later in the year. But, you know, at, at this point, then it's when uh, the race changes. You know, the first 70 laps, very different um, from the second 70 uh, because the tire limit did have a bit of a factor where, you know, you probably would have wanted tires with the fall off. Parker was pretty good in, in assessing this, that it was about 1.8 seconds of fall off. Last year, you would have had guys coming in like every yellow, you know, 10, 15 laps in. But because of what happens with the tire limits, where they only had three additional sets in the box, they had all already used one up until that point. And then when the leaders came back down and repitted, that was two. So you had basically a little bit under half the race to go with only one set of tires and like half a dozen yellows to choose from. And that made things really fascinating uh, from a strategy standpoint and really chaotic as well. Yeah, let's go through that. 61 to go, back to green. It was Clampett, Ottinger, Kettle, Luza, Conti, Lowe, Shearburn, and Pack Racing again on the restart. Uh, Kettle uh, takes the lead. Cattell, I should say, takes the lead, and it was three wide deeper in the pack. There were tons of close calls in that, that uh, restart. Yeah, we thought that it was just a matter of time, um, and, and there was a lot of them where, you know, we thought there was going to be a record, and it did happen. You know, it did eventually, uh, you know, kind of make a big mess, and then there were also times like that off of the restart where you get away with it, and it was, I mean, crazy on all the restarts, but especially at this point in the race, because you had guys up front, old tires, a couple of rows back, maybe five lap newer tires, even further back, you know, 10, 15 lap newer tires. So uh, the restarts were insane, and it basically looked like a preview for Talladega next week. All right, we got a good replay of this next caution uh, on the script. It says, uh, caution with 55 to go is Michael Guest uh, smoke out the back, and then he got ran over. It was the big one at Vegas. And again, Steve Letarte quick to uh, to jump on it and say oh wow he just blew up there i saw the puff of smoke and next thing you know it's on yeah and, and it's funny because you know you would think night race that the temps would be a little bit cooler but and this is where parker's insight was great as well is that obviously he's always talking with his drivers very hands-on and he knows the sim uh, as well is that you know he kind of knows that all these teams and and this is where having Justin on pit road helped too because he kind of hinted at this earlier in the broadcast when he said that these guys were really pushing it on tape and actually uh, going down on the tape as opposed to going up which is what you would expect as the race goes on so that kind of hinted planted the seeds of doubt and it it turns out he's the only one to actually lose the engine but I mean when you're in the middle of three wide it can be blinking right all you want you can't really do anything you just got to hope uh, that it lasts until you can get to some clean air and, and in the case of Michael there just didn't we have actually discovered in, in especially at the mile and a half tracks that you actually almost have to go with less tape in uh, cooler conditions because you're running faster higher yeah, that, I mean that checks out with what we saw yeah yeah Christian Challoner was up and over Bobby Zelensky Ray Alfala heavily involved a really hard hit for Alex McCollum and uh, Santiago Terres yeah, this is when it started to uh, obviously after the guest incident made a big mess and and then we uh, <laughs> we did it again and you know that was it was big hits for some of those other guys but it was kind of 
timely or, or untimely, if you would, uh, hits for guys like Ray, who, with all the drivers in and around that bubble that struggled, I mean, we talked about Graham Boland getting involved in that incident. He actually picks up a spot through a chaotic night. A lot of those drivers towards that playoff bubble of the top eight had problems. I think Ray could have really stood to benefit a lot more out of this race if he wasn't in that incident. And same could be said for about two, three other guys, I think, as well. Yeah, big points uh, implications. So it was a restart uh, with 40 to go. It was Cook, Lyon, Mullis, Reynolds, Busa, Vincent. They were three and four wide, just like all the other restarts. Then another big, big wreck at lap 96. Uh, it was newer tires trying to come through the older tires, uh, said Parker. Yeah, and that's when you get to the uh, the cluster, if you will, right, is these guys know, especially at that point in the race, if we're already too wide, then the guy in the fresh rubber is going to take it three wide. The next car is going to take it four wide. And we saw what happened uh, when they tried to go four wide off into turn number three. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a Talladega rack. I keep saying Vegas was the preview of Talladega. We made this joke earlier in the year uh, when we were going to Daytona. But uh, that's probably one of the biggest uh, intermediate track crashes I've seen in some time. You know, it, it really does remind me of the Talladega big one. And that's what I told our team, actually, after watching a race Tuesday, going into Wednesday, the NIS race. I was expecting pack racing on the restarts like we're seeing in the Coke race, but we didn't see that in NIS like they were doing. So I don't know if it's just they're that much better or the setups are closer. I don't know. Or they're just a little bit crazier. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I know this is something that that Parker and Steve had joked about the fact that you know, well, it's the sim, so you can maybe stick a car for a wide when uh, a bit of fear would maybe make you think otherwise uh, in the real car. But I mean, there was a lot of incidents where somebody you know moves up two feet and and it causes a big wreck and. You know, if, if that happened to me in a race, I'd be like, ah, he just moved up a little bit. But obviously the margin for error is so small here that these guys are confident uh, in their ability to to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, obviously everything's on the line because most of these big chaotic things are happening like 15th, 20th and back. There was a lot up front, especially late with that example of that incident. But all those mid-pack guys, they're not going to back off because they're trying to stay in the series as well. So, uh, you know, if it's four wide... I can say, you know, I don't want to wreck the car. I'm going to back out. I lose three spots, you know, so you're almost forced to get into it. And uh, I mean, it makes for thrilling racing. I'm sure that everybody's seen it and enjoyed it. Yeah, this next segment was really fun to watch. At 37 to go, restart. Mullis, Cattell, Ottinger, Lowe, Cook, Conti, Sherburn, Reynolds. A big pack up front. Again, side by side, three wide. About 30 to go. Lyon, Nathan Lyon, man, he made some aggressive blocks to keep the lead. Yeah, all the way to the apron, and I think uh, to below the white line, maybe once or twice. Uh, I mean, he knew that uh, you know that was that was what he needed to get the job done, and and there was a point there. I, f I forget what the exact order was, but we had three guys running up front, all looking uh, for a first career win, and I thought there was a pretty good chance that it was going to happen at least uh, with thirty to go. At one, yeah, and then through that segment, you know, Lion kind of gets out to the outside i think it was and caution as he gets the wall hard he got clipped by the 21 actually from behind and then Sh steve sheehan plows in later uh really hard yeah we saw a lot of uh those kind of secondary incidents which 
you know, we, we you don't normally see at the intermediate tracks. We saw it like once or twice at NASCAR at Atlanta a couple of years back where you get kind of huge messes. I think Kentucky or Kansas was another one. But uh, I don't know if that's as much as the track being blocked or drivers, uh, you know, having been in an earlier accident, dropping back. Then they see another wreck and, and the devil on their left shoulder says, hey, if you if you stay in it, you might get a spot or two to the yellow and, and maybe some guys overdriving. Yeah. And then after that next restart, again, some aggressive blocking up front, but tires were starting to wear and uh, they started to, you know, line up and it wasn't as side by side um, and get spread out a little bit. It was about 15 to go. It was Mullis, Diaz. Wow. Diaz having a great run. Reynolds, Ottinger. Cattell, Conti, Garigula, Cook, Alfala, and Gorlinski. And then five to go, uh, it was Mullis up front. with an, He actually built up a nice .8 gap over Diaz and Ottinger, uh, who got by Reynolds, and then Conti, uh, then Cattell. But at the end, Jimmy Mullis gets it. He did, and, and it wasn't that eight tenths at the end. You know, he was checking out. That was probably the biggest uh, lead that we had seen all night and then uh, kind of got reeled in at a little bit at the end. But, yeah, that's that's huge for Jimmy Mullis. Uh, he gains three spots in the points, and he is uh, he's right on the doorstep uh, as we head to the regular season finale. So he did his job. Boy, he moves him to P9 right, over, right below the cut line. And then Ray Alfala with his uh, rack, he's running P8 just above it. Yeah, I think the margin is like six, 14 points if I'm looking at it correctly. And uh, I think that you can lose that many spots in, in one rack at Talladega. And, and we talked about this at the end, you know, do you overthink it going into Dega? Because there is no win in your in. So you can't kind of, you know, go crazy. Um you know, you do have to be smart, but what if you overthink it, hang back, and then the race doesn't have a yellow and, you know, you don't even give yourself a chance. So I'll be fascinated to see how this works out. And the coolest thing is, is if we had this Talladega race last year, I wouldn't have a damn clue what the points are. You know, I would try to do the math in my head. That doesn't normally end well. We have that live points now. So it's going to be exactly like uh, the drama that we saw a couple of weeks back with the Cup Series when the playoffs were uh, coming up in that finale at Daytona. We're going to have live points. You're going to see that thing shuffle every single lap. Uh, I think it's super cool that we got that done in time. And uh, I think that uh, it's going to be a, a fantastic race. Obviously, if you end up above the cut line when it's done, you're going to say, hey, Talladega was a great idea. If any of those top eight drivers drop out, uh, I think it'll be safe to say they won't be very happy with how it went down. Yep. And I think, you know, going into the next race, probably the top five in points are safe. But but sixth and seventh, Ryan Michaeluza, Logan Clampett, they're not too far above Ray Alfala in points. Uh, they're probably in the danger zone, too. Yeah, they are. And and that's, you know, I mean, 45 is the number that we've been going with. You can get 45 points in a race. Realistically, we have 38 cars starting races now. So it's closer to 43, um, which is a broader window than I think is realistic. Um, if I'm looking at the points, I think that Luza is probably safe, um, you know, because he's 30-ish points up on ninth. But Clampett and Alfala, if they wreck, they're sweating. If you just finish, you know, top 10 in that race, around 10th, you're fine. Ray just needs a top 10. Logan just needs a top 15. You're fine. But if those guys get in wrecks, Bolin, Davies, Vincent, 
And Shearburn is where I would draw the line because then you're really you're even stretching with Shearburn because he's nearly 30 points out as well. You got to win it. I know the win doesn't get you in, but it gets you at least a bonus point for leading a lap, three bonus points for winning the race. And then, of course, you can try to get another one for leading the most laps uh, with those five available. It could come down to bonus points. Wow. It's going to be interesting for sure. I'm excited to see it and uh, glad we don't have to wait two weeks. Uh, It's just uh, next week, right? Yeah, we're right back at it, uh, you know, in, in one week's time, which is super cool because obviously we don't have to wait. Um, and I guess that means I'll be talking to you guys a lot more. Um, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, same time as always, 9 Eastern, um, streaming at enascar.com as we head to uh, virtual Talladega. And then they do give us a week off um, before the playoffs, kind of get these guys a chance to to get their heads straight, maybe uh, at least on our end, probably do a lot of promotional stuff and get content built up for it. And then uh, on October the 13th, uh, we go racing for four straight weeks. Uh, so when the playoffs start, they're going to last less than a month as uh, we're that much closer, guys, to crowning our 2020 champ. All right. Well, it's been a great race. I enjoyed it this week for sure. Thanks, Evan, for stopping by and talking Coke racing with us. And uh, look forward to next week. Yep, absolutely. We'll talk to you guys then. All right. Thank you. Final time. Jimmy Mullis going to get career win number four. His second of 2020 comes at Las Vegas. Okay, so let's uh, switch gears back to uh, hardware. Greg, where did we leave off? Uh, I think we just got a video here. I'm just trying to get down to it here. Um, of the, the 3080 in, uh, you know, compared up against a, a 27 or RTX 2070, um, just bringing up the video here, it's said uh, put on by uh, Rich uh, Delmazio. Rich, Rich Delmazio. Um, did you watch this video, Mike? I haven't got completely through it. Um, I, I just did. saw some I mean, of his he, numbers. He got the card and, and he, uh, you know, put it, he fired up the iRacing and uh, showed us what it looked like, but. I mean, we're kind of looking at it through a, you know, a camera, so it's, you know, you can't really tell. Yeah, but uh, he kind of went over the frame rate. That's what he was really doing over the frame rate bump that he got when he switched to the new card, and it was pretty significant. I mean, it, I thought I thought when he had the twenty seventy on there, it was around like uh, eighty frames per second, and he was getting close to two hundred when he put in the new thirty eighty. Yeah, you're kind of breaking up there, Brian. But yeah, uh, that's what he he just kept saying. Wow, wow. He was just like he was speechless, looking at the FPS as uh, he sat in the car. It was just like this huge number, and and he has and he shows his graphic settings where he has everything checkmarked. And uh, yeah, he's getting some killer frames per second. You can have 200 frames per second. It doesn't really make a difference from 100 frames per second. It does, like your eye only sees what it sees. Right. But it's it kind of like what I was saying before. These cards are probably overkill. Well, it's it depends on like like even like David was saying. The more and more stuff you run, it's you know it's just something you got to uh, you can get to have for your PC because iRacing. A lot of things that people run too are not just as in just iRacing, right? Like you know, if you even look at it, the new flight simulators and stuff like that. Some of them are really graphics intense. Some of the new games are graphics intense. But if you're just iRacing, some of these graphics cards will be overkill. Yep. Well, thanks to Rich Del Mazio for trying it out and let us know what he thinks. Looks like we have another batch, Tony. Another batch, eh? Gotcha cookies. <laughs> How about two more batches? <laughs> okay, we'll go with two more batches. 
Um, Chris Smith, he reminded everyone that there will be just two more batches left to be produced of the Proto Simtech P2 pedals before closing up shop. Well, no kidding. Proto Simtech. These look very familiar. I'm sure we've covered these in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they're 450 by memory, 450 bucks. Yeah, well, this this sucks. You never want to hear, uh, you know, companies, no matter how big or small, um, close up, especially if they're uh, producing decent stuff. But uh, yeah, if you guys want to get some Proto Simtech pedals, um, this is your last chance. Um, so jump on over uh, protosimtech.com, P-R-O-T-O-S-I-M-T-E-C-H dot com 480 dollars us uh plus shipping it currently says sold out um but yeah this guy he has actually said he was closing shop before and said it was the last chance and then he continued on because of the demand and now he's continuing i think he had said last time he was going to stop and now he said well we're going to do two more times so he keeps extending it. Uh, let's keep him in business, guys. Go buy his pedals. They look like pretty good pedals, too, for the price. Yeah, and I don't have any of this stuff opened up. Are these um, are these hydraulic or uh, load cell? They're not hydraulic. They're load cell. Okay. Well, still, I mean, that, that price point um, is is perfect. Like, the, the, the pedals look nice. They look good. Um, they look sturdy. And we under 500 bucks um to me i think that seems like a pretty good deal and there's a lot of people that have bought these that are really happy with them Uh, there's a lot of good uh feedback in the forums on these pedals and that's why we've talked about them so many times Uh, next up i'm going to jump to a price release for the sim experience g belt Uh, bernie villers from sim experience spilled the beans on the forums regarding the price of the G-Belt and says it will be priced at $999. What do you think? I, I, I'm assuming that's just the one for the actual G-Seed. Well, the G-Seed is 3000 and so this would be an extra 1000 if you want the package. There's a universal one for anybody who wants to use it on the regular system. Yeah. Oh. I don't think that's the same. I don't know if price is any better or worse or what. I think Brian needs a reset. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, Brian. Yeah, there is a universal seat mount uh, they have uh, here on their website, but the prices aren't listed yet. Um, he just listed the price in the forum. So, I mean, it, the the seat belt tensioning thing is a dream of mine. I always want to get, I always want the seat belts, and I think I want this to go with it. But maybe on a stationary chair, not the the G seat. Well, it, it's kind of complementary to the G seat, right? Because the G seat pushes on on your back and then this gives you the other direction it pulls you into the gc right mm-hmm. so for you know when you it would probably obviously it would tighten up when you're braking i'd love to just try it see how it works that's i mean i really am tempted by this but i i, I want to get to a convention or something or just get an opportunity to test it and see if i really like it before i drop 4k Oh, that seems like something you should just jump into, David. We're good at spending your money. Not that good. All right, well, if you don't want the seat, why well, about a half a car? This one's crazy. This is a it's Ford crazy. GT1, I think. 
Ford GT. A, I'm sorry. Well, it's the Ford GT. It's a Porsche 917. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, it's a Porsche. Yeah, you're right. And it's like the front half of the car, like from the seat forward. The bodywork, the wheels, the the windshield, the cockpit, everything. It looks like a real race car. Now the back half's cut off of it. It's put on some kind of motion system, and uh, he's got triple, big triple monitors out in front of the car. Who the? I would love to get one of these. This thing would be so much fun just to sit in. Like, but, could you imagine having this in your house and people come over and just see this sitting in your house? It's amazing. But you'd have to crawl into it just like a real race car. I mean, the immersion level has got to be insane. You better hope that he's got some ventilation in there to, uh, you know, some way to circulate air in there because that would be very, very hot. It would be quite a bit of a crawl. It wouldn't be the same kind of crawl because uh, sports cars, the doors actually open. Yeah, but if I remember correctly, that car does not have very much room to begin with if it's an actual kind of design the same the way it's that car is it's also a lot higher off the ground than the car would actually be that is true imagine if it was on the ground and that guy somebody had to get in it because it'd be like at your waist so this is put out by prosimu.com the letter u and we've talked about their stuff before but this is a, a something pretty unique i don't think they they sell this on their website this was on their instagram so this next one, I actually really kind of wish we had Bobby around because he's our resident 8020 expert. Carolina Simworks has put out the final drawing of their M1 chassis, which is going into full production pretty soon. It's an interesting design, um, the pedal tray. Yeah, it's definitely just, that's the pedal tray if you want to go inverted, for sure. I don't, you don't need that whole stack if you're not going inverted. Right, if you're not doing inverted, it's like way overkill, right? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they probably have a different option for the non-inverted. Or you know, if you buy if you buy the Fanatec inverts, don't they have their own mount as well that you just attach to the 8020? Yeah, it's all one way. It's 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 on its own. So it would just really depend on if you needed that particular piece or not. And it's 8020, so it's pretty easy to customize those orders. You don't have to get stuck with exactly the same option. Is it just me, or do all these 8020? rigs look alike um pretty much they're pretty much the same well they're you know they're rectangular designs because it's rectangular equipment all right so carolina Simworks getting on the 8020 bandwagon if you recall they only use sheet metal or like a thin metal i don't know i don't think i should call it sheet metal but they use they usually do a stationary metal cockpit that's kind of a thin flat metal and now he's uh, working on 8020 so on to, uh, I guess, another aftermarket uh, direct drive for the Podium Series uh, adapter. Um, for the, I guess it's a, they're calling it a, a Z-Ring solution. And uh, I guess it's so you can have um, other things hooked up rather than just the, the uh, Fanatic um, products to it, right? Well, it's just a better quick-release system. So... As you remember, I couldn't get, I had a problem with my wheel and I could I can't get it off the base. It's stuck. And um, doing some research, Steve Llewellyn, our teammate, found this for me. And he said, this is the solution. If you buy this, uh, this potentially could fix it because it basically is a better quick release system. Um, 
and it, this is actually something you can print up on a 3D printer. And uh, apparently his wife is, has a, access to a 3D printer, and Steve said he was going to print me one up. So more to come about this particular de device. Um, I might be putting this on my wheel uh, if everything works out. That's now, if you can get the rim off. That's right. Without without breaking it. But it's it's interesting to uh, – is, is this seem to be a problem with these rig – or these uh, direct drives if you don't get it off? Well, apparently if somebody's dreamed up a product to fix the problem. Well, it says here, uh, the Z-ring increases stability of your Fanatic rim loaded on the Fanatic podium, podium DD1 or DD2 without the need to use the locking screw, which is much more convenient when you have more one wheel and want to change quickly. No, well, I never use the locking screw. Yeah, me neither. I just tighten, I just tighten, unless they're talking about the, they're not talking about the big large nut that goes around the back that you can no, up and loosen there's up. a screw hole you're supposed to screw a screw into okay i think that's only for certain wheels oh, yeah, rebels. I think you're right. rebels i think you're right tony it's only certain wheels i think or oh, david sorry yeah i just tight i just tighten the large bolt and uh but i'm you know i'm switching rims every day as well so i'm anxious to try it uh steve's gonna mail me this thing when it gets printed and uh, we'll see what happens if i can get the wheel off um, we'll see. But ever since I got it reseated, I haven't had a problem, so I'm probably okay leaving it as is. I, if memory serves, I even remember reading in the manual somewhere that you only need that for certain wheels. Or if you That's want a, a permanent install, right? No, I think it has to do with which with certain rims need it, certain rims don't. Oh. Well, I never I, really noticed all that play in the wheel, though. I was going to say, I think the rims that you're talking about, David, would be like my McLaren rim and the P1 rims. They would need those. Do you have to put it in when you put it in your McLaren? Yes. Okay, yeah. I don't. I, the F1 and the Porsche oval, well, round rim that I use doesn't require it. Yeah, because my McLaren and the P1 rim that I have, they don't have quick releases on them. But yeah, they're... The, the oval with the xbox hub has a quick release you can buy a quick release for the mclaren i just never did i think the new mclaren rooms if you buy them now they come with the quick release so if you were to buy something like you know a tsw custom wheel you might need one of these take a drink tony you want to tell us about that tsw custom wheel actually i would love to um Stephen uh, Kiefer posted on the forums that he had a custom wheel built by Thomas Superwheel, and he just wanted to let people know that uh, it has. <laughs> I should really look at this stuff before I start reading about it. Uh, it has levers behind the wheel for brake and throttle. It is a real high quality unit, but no force feedback. Although it seems to feel a bit like it due to increasing resistance, so must be. Uh, a bungee cord spring type system bring it back to center um it says it's uh based on their easy wheel but there is they only got one guy building them at a he builds them one at a time uh it's a bit of a weight for them and apparently they have a lot of options <laughs> someone bail me out here i am totally blowing this subject so it's I Thomas. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even know Thomas Superwheel was still around. They were they've been back since the the days of NASCAR racing two thousand three. That was like the big deal because I think uh, Junior had one when he was racing two thousand three season. 
but uh, I didn't even know they were around still. We were just talking about these guys uh, last week. Now that I pulled up their website and I see what's going on there. Um, yeah, yeah, we this, covered this last week. Yeah, yeah. They, these are the guys that uh, charge a crap load of money for some really basic old old school stuff. But I'm sure you could run over this stuff with a tank and it ain't going to hurt it. They look, they do look solid, but um, yeah, they're just a little behind the times in technology. Ooh, it's got 720 degrees steering. I went through and picked all the sh- options I'd want. $985. I mean, you can get a direct drive for that. Do you think you could get this wheel installed in that, uh, or to come with that uh, Aston Martin setup? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's keep moving. Uh, we got the Heiskenveld Sim pedals are now shipping from Sim Experience. Uh, Bernie Bernie Vellers let everyone know in the forums that Sim Experience is now selling Heiskenveld Sim pedals. Uh, they will ship from their U.S. base warehouse. So it's pretty cool to have a U.S. Uh, source uh, for these pedals that normally you could only get uh, if you ship from Europe. So well-known pedals. A lot of people uh, uh, like the the Heiskenveld Sprints, as they call them, and they have the Heiskenveld Ultimates. Oh, this next one has got me, Mike. I, I know, Brian, it's under yours, but this uh, Bobby Donis should be uh, covering this next SimC because he always has his little boy uh, racing. This uh, this setup's kind of cool uh, that someone's posted here on uh, the Facebook uh, Track Time Entertainment Facebook page. Yeah, that, it's, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. You want to take it? Go ahead. <laughs> it was, it's basically a mini 8020 rig with a baby car seat attached to it with uh is that the um thrustmaster set up there i think that's the thrustmaster with fanatec i think those are fanatec pedals but it's a thrustmaster uh, rim and the best part is is at least he's going with a ricardo ricaro uh kid seat but that's awesome i i think i'm going to send this picture to my wife uh and there's another picture in it later on with the screen actually attached to it. So this is really hardcore, and I think I get to send this to my wife and see what uh, she thinks for the daughter, if this is something for the daughter to get into my sim with. It looks like it's built for like a five- or a six-year-old, perhaps, uh, you know, because of the car seat. But, yeah, it's like a miniature rig for the little kid. It's awesome. It's got a five-point harness. But, of course. I sent it to Bobby. Well, if we're talking about five horses, do you have to put it backwards in the in the back seat or forwards? Oh yeah, that's true. If, but if, if they're at five years old or whatever, the, the it has to be forward, right? I don't know. I don't have kids. This next one blows me away. Yeah, this one's not for kids for sure. Um, we've got a hyper realistic three direction of field uh, motion simulator. Uh, and it's got that three-direction triangular, which really gives you a lot of different motions. So it can go every direction, including your lateral slip. Got a nice little promo video here showing several different racing sims as well as a flight sim. The only thing that doesn't make sense on the video is why, why when you're showing off your rig, would you zoom in and just show the sim? They do that a few times. But it still looks like a nice rig. Uh, the only concern I might see is just how adjustable it is because it's not... I don't, I don't see um, very many 
I don't see whether I can't tell actually whether or not there's a whole lot of adjustability in leg length and steering wheel angle and such. It says starting at twenty thousand euro. The the thing kind of reminds me of what are the what are those uh, three wheeled motorcycles called? Like the cockpit for those things. It kind of reminds me of that, the way it, that you're in it. But anyways, it's, it's such an interesting design. Um, maybe a, actually more like a, maybe a snowmobile type front end on it well the way it looks is it, it's it's like the entire cockpit is sitting on a central pivot point that's attached to a base which makes it easy to move about for motion and so it's got that pivot point kind of in the center but then the cockpit itself the part that's underneath the pedals kind of comes up and around and that's where your wheel hooks to and it's got this uh, slope to it that kind of makes it look like, I don't know, maybe the front of a car or something. It's a very unique design. So, see, this right here is what money, you know, the, the good money, yeah, it's a little expensive, but obviously it's it's designed to be, you know, really good. But this is, like, talking last week about paying for a name brand something for a sim and not getting what you won't pay for, at least this one offers you something to it. Right, it's twenty thousand, and you get motion. That last one was what seventy thousand. It was just static cockpit. I did spot another disadvantage. Uh, doesn't really look like you can attach the monitors. It's like a VR only. VR only, or I guess you really have to set up the the visit visit. If you look at his monitors, you can actually see the. It looks like it's set. I don't know, the settings are set to where you actually see the car pitch and roll if it hits something, since the monitors can't pitch and roll. So you might be able to compensate that way. I love that it has belts uh, built into it, uh, seat belts. Now, this is from Portugal. This is msim.eu.com. That's definitely, you know, that would be something you'd bookmark for down the road if you had some money. That's something to start off with if uh, you want to go motion type thing if it's something you're going to fully motion to start to build right out of the box i'd be curious how how strong that connection is from the base to the cockpit you know i'm not sure how much is there you can't really see it but um the pivot it's, point, it's pretty yeah. narrow yeah it's pretty narrow but uh, yeah i don't know what's underneath all the all the um all the plastic or whatever that's made out of the other thing i noticed in the second video on their website is they have a cust their own wheelbase they're using it's MSM wheelbase. It looks like it doesn't look like it's uh, Fanatec or something else. Oh, what a segue, Fanatec, eh? Let's go move on to uh, now. This looking at this, obviously, it's just a rebranding of one of their older products. Um, but uh, the reason we have it brought up, uh, Sim Racing Garage did. Uh, I guess he did his overview and read and review on it, um, but it's the new Fanatec World Rally Championship uh, rim, their Xbox rim, but it's kind of just basically a redone version of their P1 rim, and uh, it's just been it's got a different graphic on it, some different colored stuff, uh, different stitching and different paddle color co uh, colors, um, but. It's actually a really nice uh, rim if you you know want a choice uh, of a different you know a different looking one for if you're looking for um, something different than the basic black uh, P1s that are the more cheaper uh, rims in the Fanatec line. They does tout about a, a new quick release system that's 
that's a new design. And then they have interchangeable parts where you can switch out the buttons to have different color buttons and different color uh, uh, shifter paddles as well. Yeah, so it's it's obviously they're obviously a little bit more of an upgrade on their um, their normal P1. It's kind of just a, a you know I would call it like a version two. I mean, I would look at this for as a NASCAR wheel. You know, this would be a good NASCAR wheel. It's very. It's not a. The P1 rim is not a very big rim. Like if it's the same size, it looks like it's the same size as my P1 rim. Um, I find it good for rally racing, which is obviously this one's promoting. It's more of a quick, quick uh, adjusting ri- uh, wheel where you can flick it around quickly rather than an oval rim. It's not as wide diameter, right? No, I think it's a thirteen or a twelve uh, inch rim. Fifteen, yeah. Yeah, I run the 13 uh, Porsche for rolls, but um, I've got a real small frame, so I don't think I notice it as much. You some definitely r- notice. some real racers run that size rim as well, some well, of the smaller I, ones. I know David, or David, I know Mike and I run the oval rim. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you run an oval rim, but um, I find that the bigger rim has really changed the oval racing for me compared to the, because I had one about the same size as your Porsche one, um, when I first started racing on the ovals with the Fanatic stuff. I actually don't know if I could actually run a 15 because uh, the 13 already hits my legs. Then it's perfect for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up, Barry put out another video testing uh, the Motion House 4UN Motion System, which uh, I don't know a lot about yet, but uh, he just put out a, a short video of him testing... Uh, it's not his normal video. It's just him in the car driving it. And it's amazing when he's in the dirt truck, uh, how much motion this thing moves him around. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool looking motion rig. It's basically a D box on 8020. And, uh, but boy, it's got quite, uh, some range to it, I guess is what you would say. But more to come about that. Yeah. I think those were the 150 millimeter travels, which is like, uh, like one of the longer travels for those actuator types. Yeah, you can see how much it's throwing him about. Um, so I'll need to look up this company and get the pricing and stuff. But I'm kind of waiting for Barry to put out his main video, and then we'll take a closer look at it. But uh, wow, I love watching these. They're uh, I I did look at the pricing on those, Mike. Uh, they're running around five grand. Not bad. That's without the D box, though. I mean, without the 8020 rig. Correct. That's just the actuators, just the actuators yeah. and the uh, and the controller and all that stuff. I still think that's the way to go, man. Get you eighty twenty to start, then later, yeah, you can just pull the pull the trigger and buy something like this, and man, you're in business. Yeah. So, like you were saying, Mike, this isn't his full review like he normally does. This is just some scenes of him testing it out. I'm sure he'll come out soon with you know his uh, two hour long video of it. Okay, and then Brian, this last uh, hardware story reminded me of the Aston Martin thing from last week. Yeah, this is a um, a classic car sim rig. Um, it's a TCCT has worked with Racing Unleashed, and they've converted a state of the art high end simulator technology by using race drivers for training purposes into a unique classic car driver experience. So it's. So it's a, a it's a rig, but the the chassis is it is looks like an old, um, you know, classic 
uh, coupe style uh, race car, you know, with the leather leather wrapped wheels, you know, the three spoke design wheels, uh, the leather on the shifters, leather seats. Um, it's it's really cool looking. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't see the price yet. I don't know if you've if they've put that out yet though. Yeah, coming in twenty twenty one, it says. But it's beautiful. I mean, uh, the, like you said, the, they make the interior look like a the, the interior of a, a nineteen thirty Mercedes or whatever it is, or the Ferrari, and they have a nice uh, blue and a nice red. But it's just like a I don't know. It, it almost looks like a toboggan kind of sled frame. It's like a metal frame, and they have actual bodywork, you know, over it, um, and then a triple monitor stand, uh, you know, that it kind of sits underneath and then like you said the the classic wheel that's made out of wood you know and and um so forth yeah i can't even imagine what this thing's going to go for I, it doesn't look like it's a motion or anything like that but um it, it's a beautiful beautiful looking uh, uh rig there but uh yeah i hate to see what the price is going to be when you watch the video it they kind of portray it as okay this is something to put in a gallery of art you know it's like a centerpiece and then they talk about it's a club where you can race other people in these vintage cars online and uh, it doesn't say if they're using iRacing or what platform they're using but uh, it indicates that there's more to it than just buying the cockpit like you can buy you can race in this league and so forth sounds very country clubish yeah Okay, and with that, we're going to skip out of hardware and head over to results and talk about that. But first, uh, don't forget the results are sponsored by the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series, and uh, let's see what they did this week. They weren't uh -huh. they weren't at a track last week. It was uh, the legends that ran. Uh huh. Okay, and so with that, we'll go into results. Let's finish up Bristol Friday Open, Greg. You were wrecked out first caution. Yeah, it, it was just not good. Friday, I kind of, I just gave up real quick. It, it, I was, actually, that was the one I was wrecked first turn, turn three in the first lap. And it's, uh, I'm still, I'm still fuming from it. The, the guy that got loose in front of me is a known wrecker in the division and it's just anyways it was it is what it is and i'll uh i moved on and sunday was the better result okay and then i ran uh friday open p2 oh, holy cow i ran top three to top six uh basically all night except for the long runs and then i would fade pretty hard uh short runs at the end of the race though got me back up to second that final restart the green white checker i was second but it wasn't enough to win. He had a good start and there was just no catching him. But man, that felt good to have a good P2. And then David, how about a P3 Sunday morning in top split? Yeah, I think this makes my best finish in top split. I think it was a five. Uh, Bristol's a good track for me. Add to that, we had a really good set and I was just almost in place to win. I was just hanging on to the tail of the leaders at the end and hoping they would wreck each other but they didn't they kept it clean all right well done and then brian p1 well done you got the win 
Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, that's what it says. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was uh, from a couple, a couple weeks ago when I did the Daytona. Oh. Hmm, script manager might have messed up there. Okay, there you go. How about Fire you, Greg? Way to, go uh, attack him. Way to hit him down, David. <laughs> and then, Greg, you also got a P3. Yeah, I, this was a race of uh, who was on tires at the right time, and it was back and forth. So, you know, one run, I'd be up front and you know stay out on all tires and then a whole bunch of guys behind me would pit and then they'd fly by you for a bit then you get another caution you'd pit and it's just back and forth like i passed i swear i passed probably one of the same guys like i i want to say a minimum of 20 times i passed i mean it's just back and forth back and forth all over the track and is these new to the new tire strategy really throws like an event like bristol the track it lends itself to that type of racing because there is a, a fall off eventually with the tires where you can notice a difference when you go down pit road. You can go from the back of the pack to the front if you got new tires compared to um, the rest of the field. But it, it was a fun race. Uh, I was luckily was able to get a P3. I probably had a better finish in me if I wouldn't have got a little bit of damage from somebody that didn't uh, didn't get into the corner properly underneath me and kind of shoved me up to the wall. But it was. Uh, I'll take the P3 after the last couple of weeks I've had. I think Bristol was so fun for us this week because of the set. Man, the set was awesome. I was rolling the top. I mean, there were people digging on the bottom, but man, I was quick, quick up top, especially through the center. I was always catching them through the center. I was always moving forward, except for on those long runs, but uh, really happy uh, with my P2. All right, let's move to Vegas. Uh, Wednesday open. David, you got the P20 wrecked late. Yeah, we're close on this set. Not quite completely there, but we made a lot of improvements on it. Uh, and it does come down to the tire. Who's got the fresh tires game as well? I was uh, running, I think, 11th, 10th or 11th. And had a guy that uh, was just a little starting to build a history of me as over aggressive, though he did apologize. Um, it's the second time in, in about three weeks he's taken me out. Uh, knocked me down to P20, but don't feel as terrible because I at least know I was running well. It's a lot less frustrating feeling if you are running well. Okay, and I ran and got P4, which I was ecstatic about because I was junk. It was the first run, no, no cautions, and we're gonna green flag stops. Um, I ran it almost out of fuel and had faded from the top 10 to 34th in that first run. Uh, I actually got a couple of cautions after that uh, to get back on the lead lap. It worked out and just suddenly, you know, made my way forward uh, with all the cautions and wrecks and I was just missing them. And so I somehow got a P4. I have mixed feelings about that set. Uh, I It depends on how you drive it, but it's just tight, tight, tight for me. Uh, Tom Dryling ran. He got P29, which is uh, different than what, because he ran up front all of the race. Uh, was leading laps, too. Uh, after a late caution, a car in front of him had blown up. Uh, must have had too much tape, and he was crashed out. Tony got, uh, Rochette got the P5. He got the pole in this run. It was walled and slammed and wrecked early, but was still competitive and had to finish the race for about the last 30 laps with 16X. He said "My, he should have taken his luck down the road to South Point Casino. I was calling him Mr. 16X. 
There's one more, and then you got that drive-through, right? Yeah, even a even an off track, and he would have had to pass through it. And then uh, looks like you got to run today, Mike. Yeah, I ran today uh, P16. Uh, wow, I started near the front. Uh, I, I used a qualifying set, <laughs> but uh, started fading after about 13 laps. It was like I hit a wall after 13 laps, and the tires just fell off. And uh, I fell to the rear of the field quickly. Uh, green flag stops had me lose a lap, and then I was the first caution on lap 88. It was just super tight, and I just couldn't keep it out of the wall. And at some point, it just went straight to the wall, and I hit it. Took a guy out. It made me mad because I didn't want to, you know, get other people involved. But uh, brought it home. Uh, I was P22 on the white flag, but the guys wrecked on the back feet, uh, back stretch, the, the the front pack, and that got me up to 16th in one lap. So. I think Friday night, I want to try a different set just because twice now I've had that problem where I just fall to the rear. We'll the have first something run. for then. Don't worry about it. We'll have something for then. All right, cool. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, let's talk official racing next. Uh, I ran the sprint car and I uh, told everybody I ran away with my tail between my legs because I wrecked out, wrecked out first. I think it was eight laps in. It was uh, the sprint car at USA. I actually practiced on Monday night about 30 minutes and ran a lot of laps. And I thought I was, I ran consistently 19-1, 19-2s, you know, all night during that practice. Uh, but regardless, during the race, I barely touched the wall on lap eight. And with these cars, uh, you're just killed. And uh, I did get it repaired, got back out there and uh, wrecked again about 20 laps later and just decided to bow out. Um, so even though I like that car, uh, it's not fun with my I rating. It doesn't, I just can't finish these races. Uh, next was the legends. It was Martinsville and, uh, boy, I couldn't turn it. Now, you get down to the center of the corner and you just have to stop the dang thing and turn it left and then go. Um, but regardless, I got a P 11, I think of out of 18 starters. Uh, that's going to be one and done because I just not comfortable with the new package they have in that car at Martinsville. I do recall last season at Martinsville, I actually liked it and ran pretty well, but with the changes they've made, it's not suiting me. Uh, what else we got league and hosted Brian, how about Iowa at OBRL ARCA? Yeah. So Monday night was the ARCA series at Iowa. Um, I got a P five, I actually started on the pole, which was, uh, I was pretty shocked by, but hey, I'll take it. Um, so uh, we had an early wreck, like on lap two, and then the, it went green the rest of the race, 150 laps race, so uh, probably 145 were green. Um, let me let me ask you guys what you think about this. So uh, I was running for third. There was a group of three of us running for third place, and we were all right on top of each other. The laps were winding down like five laps to go, and you know, we were getting inside each other and then uh, maybe not passing. And then a faster car comes up from behind us. I was in fifth at the point at that point. Uh, he obviously had newer, you know, much newer tires than us, and he started mixing it up with me and, like, kind of take away my corner exit. Like we'd be side by side. I was low, and I couldn't get up to the corner, you know, to the wall on the exit, and that was slowing me up a little bit. I kind of lost contact with third and fourth place, and uh, so that's where I finished was fifth. And I, after the race was over, I checked it out. The guy was 33 laps down. So uh, 
we had three cars running for a podium finish and and a 33 lap car down kind of got in the mix and, and kind of messed it up a little for me well you got to be aware that the end of the race is coming up and to pull over in those situations I think they talked about this uh, on a lot of podcasts this week, especially because of Bristol, how many cars were, some cars were 50 laps down in that race and it's the minimum speed was not right. Like if you're that far down, you shouldn't be mixing up the leaders. I don't care how fast you are. Um, if you can outrun them and get your one lap back, you just, you have to, that person was obviously either never raced up front to know um what it's like to have a race taken away from or they're just that type of person and the racer and you're just never going to change them well he he was a newer guy so i mean maybe he just didn't know that um you know when you got three cars racing like that for a, a good finish that you just let them go even if you're faster you just stay off the gas and just let them guys battle out but i was a little, a little disappointed but it was still uh, p5 and obrl i'll take that any day I think the lesson learned is know who you're racing. You know, if you're 30 laps down and there's a guy who's also 30 laps down, let go race that guy. But if there isn't a guy that's on the same lap as you, who are you racing? You know, you, you need to be aware of that and stay out of the way and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you should have brought him down into the, uh, into the trailer after the race and kind of give him a little lesson in, you know, racing etiquette. Well, one of the three guys who was in that mix was Steve Steve Thompson, you know, and he did give him a little uh, a warning, you know, it's like, hey, what are you racing for? And uh, he kind of backed off a little after that. But by then, it was like two laps to go, and I just didn't have time to try to get back up with those guys. But um, so, yeah, it, yeah, it's just a learning experience for somebody, I guess. I don't I don't think it would have changed my finish. I still think I would probably finish behind those two guys. But I think we could have mixed it up a little bit before the before the before the end of the run. Well, hopefully he can take that as a learning point and, uh, you know, apply it the, the next time he finds himself into that kind of situation. Okay, what else? Hosted. I poke around and hosted, and I saw something new in there that I usually don't see, and it's because of the new content that they gave us, the new free content. And I think everyone forgets about this. The UMP Modified, uh, the dirt. Uh, boy, that was fun. I ran that at Lanier. I think I ran it at... Uh, Knoxville, but uh, a couple tracks. Uh, there were some host races. That car is so weird because it's like off center. It's like kind of jacked up on the left and it's way down on the right. And the left front wheel doesn't even touch the ground. And it's uh, kind of funky to drive. You really have to be on throttle and you can't be off throttle at all or the thing just turns around. Um, I also had some experience for the first time with the Pro Mazda which is an open wheel car that's now free that I've never had before. Uh, we raced it at another brand new free track called Southern National. And so it was an oval race at, uh, of the Pro Mazdas at Southern National. And it was a really neat combination. Um, the Pro Mazda kind of reminds me of the Skippy car, um, kind of a lower power, horsepower open wheel car. And the Southern National is, is not a bad little short track. It's got a little bit of banking in the corners and uh, and it was a nice uh, combination. Had fun with it. Yeah, I gotta uh, download some of that new stuff. I haven't even downloaded some of it. So I'll make sure I get to that and play around with it. It's fun. Yeah, I wasn't even aware that I had access to it until I saw it and hosted it. And I'm like, oh, well, let's try it. 
And with that, let's jump to final thoughts, Brian McCoven. Okay. Uh, well, first, real quick, just to go back what I was talking about, I don't want to disparage the league or anything because it was a fantastic race. You know, 145 laps, green flag racing. You know, really great racing at the OBR all, all the time. You know, so uh, I'm not not discouraged or anything like that. It's still a great league, and and uh, the hosts are awesome. Um, and the other thing was, uh, I, I remember telling you guys a couple of weeks ago, I ordered one of those wind simulators from Simnetics, and it finally came in the other day, and uh, I'm getting ready to hook it up and see how it works. It's really cool. It's a, it's a lot of 3D, 3D printed parts that look very solid. It snaps perfectly on top of my uh, DD, DD uh, base, direct drive base on for Fanatec. Fits on there perfect. Um, it's got uh, clamps that hook it directly to 8020, so it's going to be for the fans. So it's going to be real easy to hook that stuff up. So uh, I'm looking forward to get that set up and uh, giving it a run. That's where it's got the fan opening on either side of your wheelbase? Yeah, uh, right up top, it's got uh, two little, I call them horns, but uh, it's where the where the, um, where the the air comes through. And it's got two flexible hoses that go from the fans to the uh, to the mounting bracket on your direct eye brace on left and right. I think you can even set the different um left and right side fan speeds separately you know if, if you're uh if you're doing something where the where the uh where the wind might be different on one side or the other i think it'll do that but i haven't gone through everything yet no I'll, I'll find out and i'll let you guys know next time hey mike i think we're getting it wrong here we're trying to send dave's money i think brian's the one we need to start going after to spend money on he's spending it yeah i'm curious how loud the thing is going to be all right, David Hall, what's your final thought? Got a couple of things for you. Um, I, even though I'm not driving it myself yet, I'm really enjoying having that new LMP2 car in both the IMSA and Le Mans series. Uh, particularly in IMSA, it's the prototype class actually exists again. And so it's actually pretty fun because I just run the, I'm still running the, the GTE class. And there's actually a, a you know a faster class that I have to be careful not to turn on turn down on when they're dive bombing you. Um, and there's sometimes when it's necessary for them to dive bomb you. It's pretty nice actually to see that class be complete again. And it's also causing the the GT fields to not be overly swelled. And then uh, speaking of uh, road racing, me and Greg are running the 1000 at Bothurst this weekend. Uh, he's going to be the anchor, and I'm going to be struggling just to not wreck the car. Did you say? Did you say that was? But was that uh, butt hurts? It usually results in a lot of hurt butts. Yes. <laughs> David, I may be the anchor, but um, the thing is, is. Yeah, I was saying earlier, uh, I was talking with a buddy, you're going to be the one that's more of a consistent pace, which you're normally used to do on the road. I got some speed. I just got to get more consistency out of myself. Yeah, most of my good finishes, whether it's oval or road, most of the time are just because I don't I don't fall off as hard or, or don't make large mistakes. I just got a lot of consistency. That's, that's my strength. All right, Greg Hectus, final thought. A uh, couple things here. I don't want to go too long about this. We never did cover it in the podcast, but I was um, I was listening to uh, Latart on Location podcast today, and uh, his special guest. I guess he did an interview Tuesday night before the Coke Series race. It was Steve Myers, um, and they, he had a whole. There's a whole bunch of things that I learned about 2020 with the, the iRacing that I didn't have any clue went on in the background with some of the stuff. I don't know. 
Did you guys get a chance to read what I was writing there? Um, they talked about. You were mentioning the broadcast uh, studio that they built, multi-million dollar situation. Yeah, he said that they in two years ago in their old office they started working on this um, this broadcast studio because they wanted to have everything in house, like they were planning. And they moved, I guess, I last it was a year and a half ago they moved into their new facility and they created a whole half million dollar studio or whatever um, broadcast studio so that they can do all the stuff they want there and, and, and remotely bring it out to um, the broadcasts that wanted to feed it. So when Fox needed something from them, they were able to just do it from this room. They have, they've hired people that have gone to broadcasting school and multimedia stuff um, that just specialized in just working on that. Um, he also mentioned in the podcast that he had, they had this year, they've hired a lot of staff The the big studio that they're the big facility that they've bought, they can't even house all the people they have in it. it apparently they're, they don't have all enough room for all the people that they have working out of iRacing now too, for, to, to compensate for this year. Um, the other thing that I found was interesting is he did mention what the count was um, was at uh, to start the year. In January, there were 110,000 members, active members, which by the end of May jumped to 175,000 active members, which wow. was just a crazy spike. And obviously, we know why the spike happened, but um, I, I thought that that was one of the more interesting things. I also like that they were talking about... Um, their sim uh comparing it to when the daytona road came out and how fast they got the data out on uh, and got that that release out and the drivers used iRacing a lot more than they used um it seemed that they were using iRacing a lot more than they used the sim for like toyota chevy and ford because it was a little bit more accurate than what chevy and ford and toyota had um, and apparently there's, he never named the name, but he did say there's one team that's thinking about not using the SIM um, as much anymore, which is very interesting um, to hear if they, if they thought the data was more accurate on iRacing. Um, they also just talked about like North Worksboro and Nashville Fairgrounds. Um, but the thing that I think they, everything that was left out about work, uh, North Worksboro when they made it, the video with the Dirty Mo Media and stuff, they made it seem like they did it all in that one day. But apparently it took a week and it was done by the Bristol and, and Charlotte uh, staff that did it for the week before and then they just came and filmed on the last day when iRacing was there. So that was kind of interesting to hear about. Um, and the, the, the major thing that uh, I thought was cool too is this auto club uh, speed way that they've been talking about has been in work since April. Um, they've had many different models that uh, they've gone over with NASCAR and tested them on the track. And they've put their input, they've tried a couple things that didn't work, that they've made suggestions and keep going back and forth, back and forth. And they said that the, the final product should be out in the next little bit here um, in their iRacing that they can test to final product for to submit to um, NASCAR to show the data, but apparently it's Steve and Ben Kennedy are the only two people that have run laps on that auto club speedway, which is interesting too. So I just thought it was an interesting interview because, you know, you got a lot, I feel it felt like Steve was a lot more, 
uh, forward with a lot of the stuff that he was talking about. And, and it was just a good quick 45 minute interview. And, uh, it talked a lot about stuff that, uh, I don't know if it's been shared at all, um, on the sim in the last little while. Pretty cool. I'll have to check that out for sure. All um, right. also I just want to say that, uh, follow, uh, you can follow me on uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's cactus, two K's. Uh, we'll be streaming. I'm David. I don't know if you'll, are you going to be streaming for Saturday? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both going to be up streaming. Um, come join us, come keep us going. And, uh, hopefully we can finish that, uh, butt hurt 1000. Is it David? I hope it's not for us, but I hope not too. Okay. Tony grows final thoughts. Yeah. I got a couple things as well. Uh, first one, uh, the ladies of iRacing have another race coming up, uh, this Saturday. They are calling it a meet and greet fun run. Um, it's going to be a street stock race for 50 laps with a fixed setup at the legacy Michigan international speedway. And, uh, they say it's a stress stress-free race to introduce the ladies to the fun of eye racing. This will not be your man's testosterone crazed racing. So they've, uh, I've been told that they've, uh, filled a bit of their ranks, but they're using this to hopefully bring some more women on over and, uh, um, you know, fill out the roster and, and have themselves a great race. So we'll see how that goes. We'll be, uh, um, I'll be talking about it next week to, uh, you know, give the, uh, the results to that. Um, I believe the OBRL will be, uh, broadcasting the race for them. So, um, look for it on their channels, uh, come Saturday night. And the last thing I got is, the aftermath. Uh, we record this Saturday, and we got Mr. Brian McCubbin coming on. He's going to join us. We got some things to uh, to talk about uh, Saturday night. Hopefully, Saturday night. We'll see. We'll call it Saturday ish, but uh, we will we'll have it out for everybody to listen to by Sunday for sure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So check it out. All right, looking forward to that. And uh, they say they're going to race in a stress-free environment, but wait till that last restart, and we'll see if the stress-free goes away. Yeah, that's that's always it, eh? It's always uh, fun and games and laughter until that last lap, and then elbows up. That's right. Checkers or wreckers. Okay, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, I want to talk NIS, the ups and downs of a NASCAR season. You think after all these years, I, I would have it figured out, but it's just as frustrating as ever to get a P2 at, at Bristol and be in position to win, and then to fall through the field, you know, the next week at Vegas, you know, from a top 10 to 33rd, you know, in just 40 laps. It, it's humbling, you know, and, uh, and it kind of makes your confidence go up and down and up and down. I was so confident coming out of Bristol going into Vegas and I actually won Vegas in the spring and I was like junk out there you know I was junk and uh, man that's just kind of the way this goes and I always tell people hey if it was easy nobody would do it and with that we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. 
Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.